everybody, it is Thursday, August 4th, 2019, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Scrap Stories. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eselike, and I'm normally here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever, uh, but in today's episode, I wanted to kind of touch on some interesting news stories and other things that uh, are percolating in my mind, uh, namely the 2020 Ford Escape, uh, as well as some uh, thoughts on paid automotive website content. Uh, one of my publications that I really enjoy, for the most part, uh, is asking its users if they want uh, to pay for content on the site, and who oh boy, I, I'm willing to bet the feedback isn't great so far. Uh, but anyway, we'll start things off with the Ford Escape. Uh, all new for 2020, from the ground up, uh, we are replacing a model that has been around for what feels like forever. I think it's knocking on the door of a decade here at this point. The fifth generation uh, Escape is going to be based on a global architecture that shared with the, well, global market Ford Focus. And just like I said last week at the uh, end of the week in the main Salvage Title podcast, uh, this thing is basically going to be a larger version of that Focus. Uh, styling cues are taken right off of that car. Uh, fonts for the insignia are on the back are the exact same as the Focus. Uh, interior bits, exact same as the Focus. Uh, and in the end, you know, this is going to end up likely being served as the Focus replacement in the Ford lineup. Uh, after all, Ford has gotten rid of all of their passenger cars uh, outside of the Mustang for 2020, and this vehicle is going to have its work cut out for it uh, to cover not just the Focus, but also the Fusion, let alone replacing the Escape itself. What is this new Escape? Well, uh, it is, at least compared to the outgoing model, uh, a little bit longer, a little bit wider, uh, but a good bit shorter. Um, it is a much more car-like vehicle compared to the old one, and I have to say that its overall visual appearance, being based on that of the European Ford Focus, looks very attractive, especially from the front and side angles. I'm not 100% sure if the rear works for me, um, but that being said, a lot of the vehicles that were being shown were in more bright colors like red and this electric blue color. Uh, the taillights remind me a lot of what's on the current Jeep Cherokee. Not to say that the Cherokee lights are ugly, but they just don't seem to look right on a Ford, and that's what's kind of weirding me out. Uh, but things do look much better on the inside. Uh, overall, quality materials look pretty good. There's some interesting textures on the door panels and on the dashboard, uh, and the car will be using an updated version of the Sync 3 system uh, that will offer both a uh, kind of the horizontal 8-inch touchscreen and it sounds like there might be a Ford Explorer, like, vertical screen being offered later on, uh, but that wasn't 100% clear. Only one publication talked about that. Other news is that Ford is updating uh, that infotainment system, the Sync 3 system, to have a little bit more of a visual appeal that other systems lack. Um, they're also adding a digital gauge cluster as an option, uh, similar to what you see in Audis, uh, Volkswagens, and a few other brands uh, that seems to look really good. It's really cleaned up in a way that seems unford to me. Um, it, it looks almost concept car-like in its execution, uh, especially when you select some different modes, which we'll also talk about 
about here in a little bit. Uh, there's going to be a fancy heads-up driver display that's like six inches wide, uh, which seems huge for a Ford vehicle. Um, not exactly sure how many people will opt for that feature. It continues to pop up in a lot of vehicles that I genuinely feel don't need it. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then Ford is also rolling out an updated version of its Copilot 360 platform uh, that includes a pretty impressive uh, slate of standard safety equipment. The usual auto braking technology is there, um, some lane keep assist, stuff like that, uh, that all seems to be pretty well and good. Um, but there will be some interesting options available, including uh, a lane centering technology, uh, stop start cruise control uh, and this uh, feature that if you're coming up on a car quickly and it looks like a collision is imminent and the side of your car is clear uh, the Ford will automatically turn into another lane and attempt to stop you uh, which seems pretty cool now what kind of cost those options have overall uh, remains to be seen uh, but it really looks like Ford is going after uh, Nissan's Pro Pilot assist uh, system which Nissan has touted as like a very low-level semi-autonomous system. Uh, Ford isn't quite saying that about this, but uh, I'd be willing to bet that the systems work pretty similarly. So I'm definitely interested to see uh, what they're like in use uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, as far as other interesting technologies in this vehicle, well, let's talk about the mechanical bits. Uh, Ford is going to be rolling out, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four different engine options in the new Escape. The base trim engine is a 1.3 liter EcoBoost uh, inline three, uh, so a new three-cylinder turbo engine for this vehicle. Uh, Ford says it's new. Uh, I'm guessing it's based on what they learned with the old one-liter three-cylinder engine that was used in the Focus, Fiesta, uh, and a few other vehicles. Uh, this new engine is going to produce about 150 horsepower, uh, and the torque numbers will be a little bit fatter than that. Uh, that engine will be available with an eight-speed automatic, that same Ford GM uh, eight-speed automatic that's in a lot of vehicles. Uh, and it will be available with front or all-wheel drive. There will be an optional 2-liter turbocharged inline 4, an EcoBoost inline 4, uh, that will produce over 250 horsepower uh, and have a pretty fat torque number as well. Uh, that vehicle will be the more sport-oriented and luxury model uh, options. Uh, it sounds like the three-cylinders are uh, going to be the base normal engine on the S, SE, and SEL models, and then the SEL and Titanium might have the option to select the 2-liter turbo. Uh, again, that engine will be available with uh, front or all-wheel drive and have the eight-speed automatic standard. Ford is bringing back the hybrid uh, models to this version of the Escape, uh, and there will be two different hybrids made available. A standard full hybrid, uh, not unlike what we've seen before with a 2.5 liter Atkinson cycle uh, inline four uh, made it to a CVT automatic transmission. It'll have a 1.1 kilowatt hour battery, uh, giving the car, you know, a little bit of a boost in overall performance, uh, letting the car creep along with an electric motor uh, and probably giving some pretty interesting uh, overall fuel economy. Uh, that vehicle will be available in front or all wheel drive. Uh, and it sounds like the all wheel drive unit might be using something similar to what Toyota has with the electric motor mounted in the back of the vehicle. Uh, Ford saying there's zero compromises on interior packaging when you get to that version of the hybrid. 
However, the plug-in hybrid model that Ford will be rolling out uh, alongside it uh, does things a little bit differently. That model has a 14.4 kilowatt hour battery, and Ford is saying that it's going to give that vehicle 30 miles of electric range. However, it is front-wheel drive only. No all-wheel drive option will be made available with this one. And of course, Ford isn't exactly saying how these trim levels will line up in terms of price and performance and all these other things. Uh, but it's probably going to be a safe bet that the plug-in is going to be pretty expensive. Uh, but Ford will have some tax credits that they can still use on this vehicle. So hopefully uh, there will be a little bit of a discount there uh, overall in terms of price. Speaking of pricing, uh, that leads to a kind of interesting question. With this Escape trying to cover so many different pieces of Ford territory when it comes to vehicle size, performance, uh, capability, all that jazz, uh, how do they sell these things? Uh, the EcoSport that currently slots below the Escape isn't exactly an affordable vehicle uh, for anything even remotely related to creature comforts or decent powertrains, you're going to be spending over $20,000 on something that's give or take the same size as my Fiesta out in the parking lot. And that exactly... That's not even exactly. This is, It's just crazy to think that that's an option these days uh, from Ford Motor Company. Uh, the current Ford Escape starts at about $25,000 with a base front-wheel drive S model. And if they're going to be trying to capture uh, focus buyers, they've really got to move down market when it comes to pricing. Maybe with the different sizes, maybe with the shared technology with the focus, you know, maybe there's some different kinds of savings that they're going to do there. Maybe they're going to make this uh, a really affordable lease option for them, but I just don't know how they're going to move people from focuses into this vehicle. That being said, Fusion buyers, I think, will have a lot more to take away from this car uh, compared to the outgoing Escape. Uh, this new version of the Escape has a lot more legroom in the rear seat. Uh, Ford is saying it's got more legroom, rear legroom than a Chevrolet Suburban, which is pretty crazy. Um, and if anybody hasn't been in a Suburban lately, uh, there's a lot of legroom back there. So uh, it sounds like this thing's going to be pretty spacious uh, when the seats are configured in uh, the correct way um, but you know again the fusion starts you know in the low $20,000 range and that's still going to be a bit of a jump to get to a base trim uh, escape and you just got to hope that Ford's packaging this thing correctly uh, that's what I think concerns me I think that's what concerns a lot of people um, I think we talked a while back about how dealers aren't happy that Ford got rid of all these cars um, but hey you know this is kind of the way things work. Ford is hoping that this car uh, will appeal to urban city dwellers with the base front-wheel drive models. Uh, Ford is hoping that people who are a little more adventurous uh, look to some of the different trims with its uh, terrain uh, system management type thing. Uh, it's got a terrain select thing where it's uh, like normal, sport, uh, sand, snow, and I think mud or something like that. Uh, similar to the same kind of terrain systems that are in Jeeps, uh, other Fords, many other things. So uh, if people are looking for more capability, uh, this sounds like this is going to be a much more capable escape compared to the outgoing model. And then one other interesting note that I found just at least in the early uh, photos and videos and many other things is that Ford is going to the rotary dial for the shifter in this new escape. Uh, people... I don't know if they're necessarily fans of it. I think it 
functionally, it looks good. Um, I just don't 100% know if everybody's going to dig it. Might be better than the push button shifters on the GMC terrain, but uh, it'll take a minute to get used to that rotary dial for me, especially when the terrain uh, management system probably isn't too far away from that. So overall, how do I feel about this 2020 Ford Escape? I think I feel positive about it. Um, it really looks like Ford did their homework. It really looks like Ford paid attention to the details that needed to be covered in this vehicle. Um, and it does look like this thing is going to leapfrog the, uh, at least the Honda CRV, uh, definitely the Nissan Rogue, probably go toe to toe with the RAV4 in a pretty decent way. Um, hard to say where exactly it's going to hit Hyundai and Kia with some of their vehicles uh, as they're continually in flux. Um, so I'm not prepared to say that this is going to be a market leader, um, but definitely I think it's going to be a much more interesting choice and it's definitely going to be the best of your American options uh, if that's what you're looking at. So that is a very good thing. I really still wish Ford would have done the right thing and given us the focus whether it was the regular Focus or the Focus Active, and also sold this alongside it. Um, but they're saying that they've got a different strategy. Um, there have been a lot of leaks about an updated uh, Ford EcoSport being developed on the new Fiesta platform, which could be pretty good. Uh, obviously, this new Escape looks like it's going to be pretty good. Ford was actively saying at this press event that they have a new version uh, of a small... Bronco, I guess is what they're calling it, uh, based on the same chassis as the Escape that's going to be even more off-road capable uh, than the Escape itself. So, you know, there's going to be room, there's going to be a vertical space to kind of jump through, uh, and we still haven't heard about what Ford wants to do uh, with its Fusion replacement. Apparently the word is that it's going to be something along the lines of a Subaru Outback. So there's a lot of things to consider in this marketplace for Ford, and the Escape is the new, 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 new version of what they plan to do going forward, and at the very least, it seems okay. Well, speaking of things that are just okay, uh, we turn our attention to Autoblog. Uh, Autoblog's been around for what feels like forever in the automotive uh, online publishing landscape. And uh, as somebody who formerly uh, wrote for Autoblog in some small capacity, uh, I have to say that I was a little bit taken back by what they're at least proposing to do, which is offering a paid subscription or a premium subscription plan uh, for their website potentially in the near future. Uh, things that they kind of highlighted in the survey for it was things like discounts for track days and uh, driving uh, test, I don't know what you want to call it, like boat, like the former Boderant type driving school thing, uh, special car meets, merchandise, uh, discounts from different car retailers, uh, and then like this premium access to editors and writers at Autoblog uh, to kind of go alongside uh, some other like special conference call type thing, like almost like they're making you like a partial owner of the company. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that they're asking for this as a potential thing to gauge interest. And then they start throwing out pricing like 10 to $12 a month, seven to $8 a month, uh, three to five, and then like two to four. And you know, I commend them for looking for 
additional revenue streams because clearly advertising isn't exactly working for them. Uh, anytime you go on there with any kind of ad blocking service in your browser, uh, they berate you for not uh, using are for using an ad blocker and taking revenue away from them. Uh, they constantly are advertising for uh, new car sales through their website and finding you the best deal for a new car and linking you to some website that's going to likely give them a small cut of the sale price of a vehicle. And uh, it's, it, it's skeezy how things are currently operating and whether or not a paid premium subscription plan would save that for everyone or at least for people who use it a lot. Uh, kind of remains to be seen. You know, I, I I think one of the interesting things at Autoblog, at least historically, has been that Autoblog, mm, they don't exactly have the greatest track record when it comes to in-depth reporting on a lot of things. You can tell a lot of times when they're writing about things that they are uh, basing on... Mm, like ad copy, not exactly ad copy, but at least press releases. And, you know, that's pretty normal when it comes to journalism, whether it's in the automotive segment, technology, or anything else. Uh, but in the end, you know, you really don't, at least I don't feel like it's the greatest sense of asking questions, getting questions answered. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of wah wee wah wee wah type reactions to things in the same way that Motor Trend has always been. Uh, my dad is a longtime Motor Trend subscriber. He loves Motor Trend. But what I've always not really cared for when it comes to that publication versus my preferred one, which is Car and Driver, is that Motor Trend has always been about, you know, zero to 60 times, handling performance, uh, as in like numbers. They're into numbers and who wins, you know, top trumps, things like that. Uh, who's winning the pissing contest when who's got the fastest acceleration and who can go through the figure eight the quickest and whose car looks the best and all these other things uh, versus car and driver that's always been a little more nuanced in their critique. They've always been a little more concerned about the engineering and the stupid things that engineering can let you do with a vehicle. And the snarkiness of their writing has always been top-notch. It's been one of my personal favorite things about that publication for a long time. And, you know, as both of those magazines trans transitioned online, uh, they gained different followings, and different things have changed for each of them. Motor Trend transformed into a video publication. They've got their uh, online service now that is now apparently an on, or excuse me, a cable channel. It's grown in ways that I don't think anybody would anticipate would have anticipated a few years ago. So I find it really interesting that. Jason Kamitsa, who is a journalist who worked for Motor Trend for quite some time and really pioneered a lot of their video production stuff, uh, is now working at Autoblog. And Autoblog is now talking about doing the same things that Motor Trend did four or five years ago uh, to try to get them to a different place. And, man, it just feels weird, you know? I, I, I don't want to say that there's really a good answer here. I think the general thing is that, you know, print media already has enough problems as it is. Online media has a ton more problems as it is, and the real simple solution is that, well, people need to be paid more, people need to be more willing to deal with advertisements on websites. Um, it's really a chicken and egg thing that just keeps kind of going around in a circle, and, you know, maybe paid subscriptions are the way to get the content that you want uh, and the content you feel like you need, uh, but whether Autobrog... Autoblog is it, fam. Uh, 
I don't really feel that way in a general sense. And that's kind of disappointing, especially when, you know, I've done some writing for them. I've made some money off of them. And, you know, it, it was fun when it lasted. Uh, they said that they would maybe bring it back someday. But with this, uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, as far as other stuff goes, well, I think we're going to have some interesting news stories to kind of talk about tomorrow. Uh, Neo announced a new electric sedan, or at least teased it, for the Shanghai Auto Show that's coming up. Uh, Tesla had some interesting delivery numbers that we can talk about on the Tesla Model 3, uh, S, and X. And uh, there's a few other stories we can kind of dig into uh, related to the automotive world as well. Uh, but with all that in mind, guys, I hope you enjoyed those few automotive thoughts. And uh, yeah, a reminder that uh, we normally do this podcast twice a week, normally on Tuesdays, normally on Fridays. Uh, we post it for free on a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. So if you aren't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a like, I guess, if they do that on those platforms. Uh, if they ask for a rating, that really helps us out a lot as well. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you who listens. And uh, yeah, we will see you tomorrow on a more mainline normal episode of the salvage title podcast see you then